Well, it's no, it's nothing new to you. This won't surprise you. But in our country, but not just in our country, in the world today, we're in the middle of a war. It's a culture war. It's a culture war. A culture is a way of life for a group of people. And I can't tell you how many groups of people there are in this world today, but there's a bunch of us. <laughs> Every one of you are a part of a group of people, are you not? Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about yet. You are a part of this group of people. And so we have a culture. But there are other groups of people, and some would, some all you got to do is look on the bumper sticker, and they'll tell you what kind of group they're in, all right? But there's groups of people, and each group has its culture. And uh, just, just, just kind of give you an idea, just kind of give you the mindset. I grew up uh, just north of here, about five miles north of the loop, Bethel community. Country boy, lived on the farm. We did, we, 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 that was our culture and we were proud of it. Still is. I mean, that's still our culture. But when you have that kind of a culture, it's in everything that you do. It's in every, it, it, it kind of just consumes you. And like I say, some people, all you got to do is look at their bumper stickers. They'll tell you, that's why I don't have bumper stickers, by the way. they tell you who they are. And are y'all following with me yet on what culture is? All right. So when I, when I was growing up, I, I rodeoed, I listened to country music. I'd, I'd attend service over here in the little brick building as soon as church was over, my little S10 pickup said, Pew! I'm headed to the rodeo. I had bronc in the chute ready for me to climb on. Many times I was late, and they were holding my horse for me. And that was, that was my culture, and I loved it. Driving down the road, listening to Chris Ledoux. Man, what are you talking about? That was, that was everybody, anybody with me yet? I ain't touched nobody yet. So that's a culture, a people's culture or their behaviors their beliefs, and their values. And right now in the world, it's, it's, it's becoming very evident that we're in a culture war where there are groups of people who are trying to exert their power. Their, they, they want you to accept their beliefs, their behavior, and their values. Everybody with me? By the way, just so you know, the church has been guilty of this, and I say guilty because you can't force culture, but the church in the past, just study your history, uh, you, you can look at England, you can look at Spain, of trying to exert the church to push that authority on the people. That's not the way the kingdom works. It's, not, it's the absolute opposite of how the kingdom of heaven works, and yet uh, we, we've seen that throughout history. So in this sermon series that, that I really didn't plan out each sermon and you know, just kind of as the Lord brings it, we're calling it This Is Who We Are. And what I'm trying to express is this is our culture at Sand Springs. This is our culture at this church. But I only say that it is our culture at this church because I think it is the culture of the church. And, and, and it's almost like if everybody else would get their stuff together, we'd be pretty good, but uh, that's kind of arrogant, isn't it? <laughs> that's kind of arrogant. But I've been, I've been a part of, I've been going to church uh, from the time, nine months before I was born, I've been going to church. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of stuff in churches, and a lot of it is not kingdom culture. 
And so we do the best we can to align with what I believe the Lord is teaching us in his scriptures. And today I'm unfolding a principle, I hope to, that is, I believe, the absolute, it, it may be the biggest key of the kingdom. That maybe you have been frustrated in your walk and this journey in the kingdom. And it may be that this is your point of frustration, that if you apply this principle to your life, that all of a sudden all kinds of heaven will just open up in your life. And it's the kingdom of servanthood. Our flesh wants to push back off of that. Our flesh says, serve them. In fact, you may be church shopping, trying to find a church that serves you the best. Uh, let me tell you, that's the wrong approach. But if you are church shopping today saying, where, where can I serve people and serve God? Then just, just know that we want, to, we want to join with you in kingdom purpose. Yes. Serve, serve, serve. I have a little saying that it's actually on some t-shirts. You weren't saved to sit. You were saved to serve. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that, that's a good t-shirt right there. I mean, that's a... That's a refrigerator magnet right there. You weren't saved to sit. You were saved to serve. If you sit and soak, you'll just sour. <laughs> uh, but I want to look at this principle in the life of Elijah and Elisha. When we think of the quintessential prophet of the Old Testament, it's Elijah. I mean, good night. Elijah fought Ahab and Jezebel, bringing down the false prophets and priests and, and, and brought a, uh, just a great victory that day on Mount Carmel. But Elijah was a man. And the next day, as Jezebel says, I'm coming to kill you, he goes running for his life, asking God, God, go ahead and kill me. He didn't really want to die. You know how I know Elijah didn't really want to die? All he had to do was stay right where he's at. Jezebel took care of that for him. She said, I'm coming to kill you. And he took out running. He didn't want to die. But he got with God, and God said, Elijah, it's not as bad as you think it is. I've got 7,000 people who've never bowed a knee to Baal, that false God. In fact, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to go anoint this one, this one, and this one. Now, great leadership principle, by the way. Uh, leadership is multiplying yourself in the lives of other people. That's leadership. Not delegating tasks. That's not leadership. That's a taskmaster. Leadership is multiplying yourselves in the lives of other people. And here's Elijah, and we know him as the great prophet. But do you know that Elisha did twice as many miracles we have recorded as Elijah did? Well, in fact, let's just get to the scripture. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19, as Elijah left that mountain of God on the task that God gave him, the mission that God gave him. Verse 19, he says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. Now, I, I don't know, this is not something that we usually do around here, plow with oxen. I mean, even when we did do a lot of plowing here in this part of the country, it was with horses or mules, but it wasn't oxen. Now, I know even further back, maybe they did, but... I, I don't guess, maybe we don't understand exactly what's going on here in this picture, but 12 yoke of oxen, that's 24 oxen. And can you imagine, 
what in the world, how in the world do you do that unless you have servants on each side of each yoke? And, and so what are we looking at? We're looking at a prosperous and powerful man. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at somebody with some stroke. Elijah is a prosperous and powerful man, uh, Elisha, I'm sorry. And Elijah comes along and does this weird act of throwing his mantle on him and just keep on walking. Uh, and apparently, Elisha knows what it means, and, and so he hollers out to him. Uh, uh, let me just go ahead and read verse 19 again. Uh, so he departed from there, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12, oaks, 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah, said, please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back, for what have I done to you? I don't know if he's, it's a weird, I mean, it's just weird. Maybe their culture is completely different than ours, but it's almost like Elijah's just blowing him off. Get on back. Maybe he's checking, are you really serious? Are you, you really want to, you really want to do this? Verse 21 proves that he does because Elijah turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them boiled their flesh. By the way, just so you know, just point this out, I just got to thinking, because we don't do this, maybe we don't understand this, a yoke of oxen, a two oxen tied together with wooden equipment. That's a yoke of oxen, meaning two. Everybody with me? So he takes those two ox, oxens, oxes, <laughs> oxi, I don't know. <laughs> oxes and he uses that wooden equipment and he makes a fire and he cooks the oxen on the fire and he gives that away he gives it away he gave it to the people and they ate then he arose and followed Elisha and then this powerful and prosperous man became his servant there are so many who want the double portion of the Spirit of God. They want Elijah's power. They want Elijah's influence. They want all the experiences that Elijah have, but they refuse to be a servant. And you're not going to get that double portion unless you are a servant. That's the key to the kingdom. It's, the, it's a kingdom principle that hadn't changed from Genesis and it won't change all the way to Revelation. It is a kingdom principle. We, we throw these words around. Jesus taught it constantly, and we'll throw these words around, especially when somebody's trying to cut in front of you in the line to the food uh, at the potluck dinner. The first to be last, and the last will be first. But it's a kingdom principle that Jesus was teaching. Those who step back and serve others, they exalt, God exalts them in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So when we want the closest parking spot and the furthest seat in the church and the first spot in line to get the food, you're missing the kingdom principle. Servant's heart. Servant's heart. Elisha became his servant. In fact, even later on, after Elijah's gone, Someone's asking, is there a prophet of God in the area? And, and, and someone says, yeah, there's Elisha. He's the very one who poured water on Elijah's hands. He took on the role of a servant. And so I, I want to encourage you that maybe this goes against 
your thinking. It, it certainly goes against your flesh because our flesh is wicked and our flesh is sinful and our flesh harmonizes with Satan. But remember, it was Satan before he was Satan. He was called Lucifer, who was an archangel in heaven who was not satisfied with the position that God put him in and he wanted more. And he wanted to exalt himself. But every time we exalt ourselves, God said, down you go. That's a, that's a, I don't know how you spell that, but it's in here somewhere. <laughs> it's a kingdom principle that those who exalt themselves, he humbles, but those who humble themselves, he exalts. Amen. Amen. Jesus, his whole ministry, he was teaching this, but, but it, we see it all through the Old Testament. Even David, David, this, this one who was blessed by God with, with such, uh, such a, a significant role in the nation of, of Israel, before he got there, even after he was anointed, he wasn't yet appointed. Think about that. David was anointed. And that the man of God comes, pours all on his head, says, next king of Israel, right here. Here's the next king of Israel. And he wasn't appointed for several years after. So what did he do between his anointing and his appointing? He was a servant. This man is anointed king of God. Mm -mm. You don't get that appointing until you have learned the role of servant leadership. So this is a powerful principle. And Jesus not only taught it, he exhibited it. And uh, I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Well, how in the world do I imitate God? How do I imitate God? Well, it tells us, walk in love as Christ also loved us. And how did he love us? Gave himself for us. That's what a servant does. A servant gives himself, a servant will sacrifice themselves for the other individual. They're serving them, not, not just in word, but in deed. And so it says that again, verse one, therefore be imitators of God. Let's do exactly what he does. As dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice for, to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. When you serve others, God says, mm, that smells good right there. The church of Jesus Christ ought to bear the fragrance of heaven, not the stench of the world. The church of Jesus Christ ought to be a sweet-smelling aroma to the nostrils of God and not smell like the stinking cultures of this world. Amen. I, I like to fish and just think, I've heard this illustration. It's a perfect illustration. There's no problem with boats and water. Boats were made for water. So it's not a problem when the boat is in the water. The problem is when the water's in the boat. The church was made for this world. There's not a problem that the church is functioning in this world. It's not a problem. It was made to transform this world. The church is God's uh, vehicle for bringing the gospel message into this world. That's not a problem. The problem is when the world gets in the church. Ooh, man. Now the cultures 
of churches have changed because in this culture war, the church says, well, we're just trying to maintain. We're just trying to, we're going we're gonna to appease you. We're going to appease you. We're going to appease you. And God says, who's going to listen to me? Who's going to hold to these truths? And when a people of God says up and says, yes, Lord, we will, he's like, boop, I'm going to bless that church. I got all kinds of sound effects today. Y'all know that? Boop. All right. So, so God says, there's a people I can bless. People who have such love, they've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. They become servants. They become servants. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. I like that. It's like, you got anything in you, then here is really where you apply it. Here's where you apply it, coming together in unity in the church. It gives us illustrations. I'm going to look at one here in a little bit in the book of Romans and illustrations of how the body, the church, is, it's, it's, there's an illustration of a body and how there's diversity in the body that every part has its function, but they all work together. And in that working together, you see, you see that this body is moving and powerful and mighty. And so let's keep reading. Let nothing, this is verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Catch that? In other words, I need to put you before I put me. I need to, I need to honor you over me. I need to submit to you, and I need to honor you, and I need to serve you, and I need to respect you. Now, does that mean that, that, the, that the, there's no order, that everything's out of order? No, no, no. In the kingdom of God, we all honor one another, all respect one another, we all serve one another. As we're all listening to the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, we're all moving as one body in the same direction. Amen? Now, I won't get into all the details right now as to how that functions, but I can tell you one thing, that when a part of the body doesn't, uh, does not receive the proper signals or does not respond to the signals properly, it gets weird. It gets destructive. I have a friend of mine over in Brownsboro, Texas, that years ago, right here on uh, Highway 175, coming out of Athens, he was rear-ended, was in a bad car wreck, broke his neck. And my buddy Terry would sit there in that hospital bed and his arm was just like this. And he couldn't move it. He said, you can hang furniture on it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go in anywhere. And, and for some reason, whatever happened in the nerves in his neck affected his arm and he just, boop. I mean, it just wasn't going anywhere. It didn't get tired or nothing. It just hung up right there. Well, later it began to work a little bit more and a little bit more. But there was something wrong with the signals from here to here occasionally, and that arm would go off. <laughs> it's weird. I remember at church, we had offering plates at the time, and Terry would always hold the offering plate with his other hand because it would not go well in a church if you're walking along with an offering plate to bang, slam somebody in the head. <laughs> in fact, 
he was a service rider at Jack King Chevrolet in downtown Tyler. And uh, he, had, he had his clipboard. And I, I think it was actually his left hand. He had his clipboard. And there was a police officer who drove a Corvette female police officer, and she brought in her car for service, and y'all already know where this is going, don't you? And, he, and, and he's like, yes, ma'am, we'll fix this, and yes, ma'am, we'll fix this, and that arm went off, bang, right on the side of her Corvette, and he's like, we'll fix that too, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, so when you have a part of the body that says, I will not submit, there's destruction, there's chaos. There's confusion. There's all kind of garbage that comes with that. But when y'all submit to one another, we all serve one another, we all honor one another, we all in love with one another. I mean, that's really what it is, isn't it? It's love, because love sacrifices itself for the other one. And so when the church of Jesus Christ comes together in love, oh my goodness, God says, I can bless that. I can work through those. I can do something here. Let's get back to Ephesians 2. Let each of you not only, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then it goes into this passage of scripture saying, that's how Jesus did it. And it says, the, the mindset that Jesus had, you should have. And here's how it says it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a bondservant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. The King of kings and Lord of lords humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. I mean... This is why Jesus said, no one takes my life, I lay it down. He, he submitted himself even unto death. He said, no one is taking my life, I'm giving my life. He humbled himself and became obedient unto the death. Even death on the cross, the most horrific torture device that the Roman mind could con conceive. Jesus said, I'll do that for you. He humbled himself. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Those of heaven, those of earth, those under the earth. I choose to bow now. Amen? Amen. Well, everybody going to bow, but I choose to bow now. Why? Why will I bow my name, bow my knee to the name of Jesus? Because he's a good God. He's a giving God. He's a generous God. And I love him. Amen? I love him. Jesus was always showing this servant's heart. This is, I mean, just think about it. For all eternity past, before there was time, the angels of heaven have been worshiping him. He's God. His feet, all they ever touched was gold. I mean, that's the best description we could have of heaven. All of, all of, all of creation has worshiped him. And then he said, uh, God, God and the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son, are, uh, it was already in their omniscience, their all-knowingness, that humanity was going to have a problem called sin. Jesus said, but I'll be the solution. I'll be the solution. And so there is God the Son who has humbled himself, become a man, just laid aside his divinity for a second, took upon the nature, the body of a man, 
And, 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 and rather than choosing to be born in a human castle, in a palace somewhere, he said, no, I'll take the stable. I'll be born to a poor little young couple. They, they can put me in a feeding trough where it smells like horse crap and, and sheep urine, and, and, and I don't have to have all the fine, nice things of, of humanity. I didn't come to be praised by man. I didn't come to be served by man. He said, the Son of Man does not come to be served, but to serve. Why? But you are God. He says, this is the key to the kingdom. It's the key to the kingdom. It's from beginning to end in these scriptures. And if you can recognize that this, this matter of having a servant heart and putting others before yourself, it's like when you tap into that, you'll get the double portion. You'll experience the power of God. You'll experience the, the, the awesome things that the, that the Lord can do in your life. And it comes through someone who will humble themselves and become a servant. I want to look in Romans Chapter 12, verse 1. This verse of Scripture uses a word we don't use a whole lot, and that's beseech. I mean, I'm reading the New King James, and that word beseech, I don't, I don't use that because <laughs> uh, people don't understand. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I don't walk in the house and ask Christy, I beseech you, therefore, wife, that you would... <laughs> Prepare my dinner. No, that don't work. That don't work. <laughs> but Paul, writing to the Romans, he says, I'm begging you. That's what that word means. I begged you, brothers and sisters. I beg you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that is holy and acceptable unto God. And for you as a Christian, for me as a Christian, that is our service. Amen. That is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Remember, church, the culture war that we're in. Don't be conformed to the cultures that are trying to exert their authority on you, trying to push their values on you, their corrupt values. There are kingdom values that we have been called to adhere to. Amen. I thought I'd get a better amen than that, but amen. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me and everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And now here comes this body picture. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Submitted to one another. Not that arm that just goes off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Amen? Yeah. You ever seen someone who's had a stroke or 
who has some paralysis and maybe they've had an injury and part of their body don't function right. And it's sad. And, it, and, it, and you, especially when you know this is someone who used to have the full function of the experience, all the goodness of life, and now part of their body don't function right anymore. That is what the church of Jesus Christ looks like when part of the body says, I'm not submitting. You serve me. I'm not serving you. You love me. I'm not loving you. And this is what the part of the body is, is wounded and the other part is dead. So we being men, this is verse, let's jump down to verse six. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. It's talking about the different spiritual gifts that God gives us. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, use the gift that God gave you for the kingdom of God. Amen. Use it. You don't, we don't just come and sit. You weren't saved to sit. You were saved to serve. Let love be without hypocrisy. You know what that means? Don't just be an actor. A hypocrite in the Bible times was an actor. That was, that was uh, it's a bad word today, but it was, it was not back then. It was a career Oh, they're hypocrites. They're actors. They, they, and here's how they do it. One actor would play several different roles. And so let's just say, and by the way, just so you know, we don't call this a stage at Sand Springs because ain't nobody up here performing. This is a platform. But if it were a stage, an actor would come out from behind and there would be over here a rack of masks. And he would put on that mask and he would perform that role. And then he would, he would go back behind the screen and he would put on another mask and perform that role. He was an actor. Let love be without acting. It's got to be more than just words. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Hate it. Hate it. Cling to what is good. Love it. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. What does that mean? It means I'm going to put your needs above my needs. I'm going to, I'm going to honor you above me. I'm going to esteem, it says, esteem others better than yourself. And honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. How do I serve the Lord? By serving one another. Oftentimes when we get to serve, see, this is our culture at Sand Springs. It's what we do. In fact, we just had Love Athens Week, and we served our city by going out and serving people with needs. It's um, what we do. It's who we are. It's our culture. God blesses it. Amen? God blesses it. But how do I serve God? How do I serve God? I mean, the Lord Jesus, he spent 33 and a half years uh, in a human body here on this earth, but then he was crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And, and, and now we have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Spirit's invisible. I can't see him, so how do I serve him? Was well, he hungry? Did I bring him food? Is he thirsty? Did I bring him a drink? He said, absolutely. But he's not hungry. He says, when you serve those who are, you've served me. He's not thirsty. I mean, he's God. But he said, when you serve those who are thirsty, 
I take that personal. You serve me. A servant's heart must first be humble. And I I haven't told this joke in a long time, so I'm going to change it now. I'm going to tell it now. There was a guy who was given a button for being most humble in the church, and they had to take it away from him because he wore it all the time. (laughs) But we have to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I know what my wants and desires are, but it doesn't matter. I have a bigger vision than that. God's called me, and it's an honor to be a part of his kingdom. And I'm serving him. And if serving him means I serve you, then that's what I do. Amen. That is a kingdom mindset. That is a kingdom culture that God says, I can pour out blessings on that. Amen. He can do it in your home. He can do it at your workplace. You want to absolutely transform your workplace? Adopt this to your workplace. He can change your schools. It's, it's, it's bringing the kingdom of heaven into whatever culture, whatever culture. Now, I know I started off, and some of you is already mad when I started off when I talked about the culture war that we're in and how there are cultures that are trying to force their values, force their beliefs on you and your family and all. And you're like, you ain't going to force me, boy, I'll mess them up. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to mess them up. Bring this kingdom principle into that relationship. Bring this kingdom principle in that relationship. But they're in sin. Yeah, that's what sinners do. Mess up their mind with this kingdom principle and respect them as a person, whatever culture it is that they are. Respect them as a person. I didn't say adopt their sin. Respect them as a person and come along and do just like Jesus did when when he was loving the harlots and the thieves and the murderers and do just like he did and serve them and see how it messes with them. And pretty soon they'll want what you have. It may not, it may not be soon. With me, it was uh, quite a few years. Some of the guys I was ministering to, uh, it was quite a few years for some of them. And it would come with tragedy in their life. And they'd seen stuff happen in my life. And I was un, unchanged. I was unshaken in the midst of that trouble. And, and then when tragedy came to their lives, they were like, oh. When everything was going okay, I didn't need God, but now I do, and I don't even know how to get him. But there was a guy that seemed to be unshaken when tragedy hit his life. That will be the exact testimony that you have. So the key to the kingdom of heaven that will unlock numerous blessings and the power of God on your life is to have adopt a servant's heart. By the way, you can't do that in the flesh. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, and you will need him to do that in and through you. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much. You sent us Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that you came. And Lord, I'm going to be real honest. Um, You know my heart anyway. I might as well say it. Sometimes this mindset... It's hard. It's hard, especially when, when you got people that did you dirty. It's hard. Especially when you got people screaming and hollering and, and calling you all kinds of names because your culture doesn't line up with theirs. Lord, it's, it's hard to love them. 
But Lord Jesus, you gave us the perfect example. When you yourself came to a people that hated you and gave yourself, thank you, Lord, for doing it. We remember that even now in Jesus' name.